good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. We're glad you could join us this morning. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to all of our satellite campuses, uh, men meeting around Nashville at Bricks and Cool Springs and Highway 55 in Nolensville. And again, welcome to everybody here in the Franklin campus, as well as anybody watching online or catching us later uh, through a podcast. Good morning. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we're going to pause and take questions after a, a, a 30, 35 minute interview with Jeff. Uh, you can get questions to me two ways. One way is you can tweet them in to at leadership underscore net, or the other way is through email, simply to questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. This morning, we're excited to welcome Jeff Hooper to the Men's Leadership Network stage. Jeff has been with Chick-fil-A for more than 18 years. He spent multiple years helping the Brentwood location become one of the top 20 stores in the nation in both sales and profits. Currently, he's working as the executive operations director for the Chick-fil-A in Cool Springs, and his store finished 2017 as both the 19th highest volume store in the nation and the 18th most profitable out of more than 2,000 locations. For a brief time in 2014, Amy's Kitchen, a Northern California company, recruited Jeff to be the GM of restaurant operations. While there, he helped create and open the first all-vegetarian, all-organic, non-GMO fast food restaurant in the nation, where every item could be made vegan, gluten-free, and non-dairy. Jeff has a passion for teaching, mentoring, and developing high-performance leadership teams. In fact, many of his past employees have gone on to become Chick-fil-A owner-operators, and in the upcoming year, he will help add an additional Chick-fil-A store in the Nashville, Middle Tennessee market. Not only is Jeff business savvy, but he's philanthropic as well. He's the founder of the Brett Kern Charity Fundraiser, benefiting fellowship of Christian athletes, and he's helped create two successful Texas Hold'em fundraising events for Community Child Care Center and Mission 615. Please join me this morning in welcoming Jeff Hooper. Way to go. Uh, Jeff, it's so great to have you with us today. Thank you so Thank you. much. Very excited to be here. This is awesome. Hey, tell me a little bit about your faith story and then kind of what God's doing in your life. Wow. Um, I guess trying to keep it consistently, my faith story is at different phases in my life, I felt God kind of calling me. Mm. And, and I think like a lot of young people, we kind of ignore those maybe for a while until something, you know, really difficult or tragic kind of happens in your life. And, and from, from my story is in 1997, my father passed away, I got divorced, had the keys to the liquor room, and I was bankrupt all in the same year. And I think that's kind of started, I guess, the development of what I knew to have a relationship with God. I grew up going to church, uh, went to Belmont, you know, went to chapel, uh, but I never really understood what it meant to have a relationship with God until I think those tragedy things started happening in my life. And, and from that moment, I think, is what led mm. to me being right where I am right now. Mm. So, which is, uh, which for me is, is, I get to wear this cool microphone. I'm interviewing, I'm getting interviewed by our version of Oprah Winfrey. So, uh, I'm very excited to be here. That's awesome. Hey, tell us about the impact that Christ has had then on your family. I think the biggest thing that the Christ has had an impact on my family is being the leader of my family. I was sharing with you just a moment ago, kind mm -hmm. of about that moment about being brave enough to, and confident enough to be that faith leader of my family. Wow. and be able to make those decisions. You know, I think that's the, a lot of times we look at things and, and, and it, it just comes down to making that decision. Yeah. Uh, even the national championship game, Nick Saban made a very, very difficult decision at halftime where the whole country was like, why is he doing that? Yeah. You know, and it, it could go wrong and, and they were waiting for the results. I saw someone brave enough to make a decision in the first place. 
So I think that's what God's empowered me and taught me to do is, is make decisions for my family. Mm, I love that because I do think God calls us as men to be spiritual leaders and to step Absolutely. in. And sometimes we sit back and we go, well, we'll let our wife kind of lead out in that and, you know, prayer with the family or taking the kids to church or whatever. But that's our call. Absolutely. That's our role. Yeah. And, and I, I know God's been doing some great things in your life. In that area. So. He has, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> love that. I love that. Hey, tell us about just the impact of your relationship with God on your career, because that 1997 was kind of a defining time. It, it was. Um, I, but from that, uh, I, I met Kristen, who's my wife, and, mm-hmm. and Kristen uh, invited me to church. And uh, we went to church, and that kind of started that journey. But I, I developed a relationship with my wife, but I still hadn't had that relationship with God. Mm. And Kristen and I got married in 2000. And in that first year, we were headed for divorce. Mm. And, um, and I think the, the very moment when God really got into me is I rolled over in bed and I looked at my wife and I said, I want you to know that no matter what happens to us, I'm gonna be okay. And I was basically telling her, I'm okay if you leave me. I'm okay if you walk away. Because the only thing I have left to do right now that I know I have to do is commit my life to God. And I remember telling her that night, night in bed. And if I hadn't said that at that moment, I would not be married to her today. And I think by doing that, she's like, all right, let's see where that goes. And so that moment when I consciously made that decision to commit my life to God and build that relationship, he um, really started opening doors. And, um, and sometimes the doors are very confusing, but I remember in the shower praying like, God, where do you want me to be? Where am I supposed to be? And God's like, you're gonna go work at Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and I'm like, no, 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 really, where do you want me to be? And, uh, and I had a great job working in the, the software industry. And uh, I walked in one day and told my wife I was leaving the software industry and gonna go work for Chick-fil-A. And she goes, uh, are you gonna try to own one like your brother? I said, no, I'm working in the kitchen and I'm making $7 an hour. So I walked away from a six-figure income to take a job at Chick-fil-A making $7 an hour. This was back in 2001, 2002. And, and that's kind of really where my journey began. Wow, well, talk about that because that's a, that's a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, that's kind of like drop yeah. the mic. Kinda, yeah, little, yeah. Um, I mean, you're making six figures, very successful in your software industry. You, you've done really well and you just walk out to go work at Chick-fil-A. What was so compelling about Chick-fil-A? What was, what was it? Well, I'd, I'd grown up around Chick-fil-A. My brother started working for Chick-fil-A when he was 15 back at Hickory Hollow Mall, which is the original Chick-fil-A that ever opened in Middle Tennessee. So he started working from when he was 15. So it's been a part of my life since I was 11. So, okay. and even when I was 15, 16, 17, I'd worked for Chick-fil-A as a high school student. So it always kind of been there and, and been part of my life. And, um, but I never really looked at that as an op, you know, an option for me to, 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 to work at until literally God says, you're going to go work at Chick-fil-A. And I called my brother up and says, hey, Barry, I don't come work for Chick-fil-A. Click. He hung up on me. Uh, he's, I mean, I, my life had not been what you would call um, a precursor to a Chick-fil-A career. Yeah. You know, it had not. So, and, and it took me about two months of calling my brother and going, no, you don't understand. This, this, this is where God wants me. I'm supposed to go work for Chick-fil-A, and, and he finally said, um, all right, but I'm not gonna hire you. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to Todd Hunley at the Rivergate Chick-fil-A, and so I walk, interviewed with Todd, and 
Um, I'm 30-something years old. I've been divorced, had a son from a previous marriage, and, and I walked away with a big smile on my face and, and accepting a job making $7 an hour. Now, please, guys, understand, this is not a blueprint for success. You know, I'm not telling everybody to walk away from successful careers making $7 an hour, but for me, it was exactly what. God, God knew that I needed to be surrounded by a faith, industry, company, people, and I needed it consistently in my life, not just on Sunday. Wow. So I think for me, that was, that was my story from that beginning. And, and the cool thing is the young lady that was my boss mm-hmm. was 19 years old. She was a 19-year-old single mother, and she was my boss. And here I'm 30-something years old, walking away from a successful career in sales. And you're talking about humbling, and, but it was a great experience. And, and I'm still here. Wow. What did Kristen think in all this? That was a very interesting conversation when you walk in and, and talk about being brave. But we were very fortunate. Kristen, and I, Kristen was a pharmaceutical rep, so she had a good career. And we, were, but we both made six-figure incomes, but we, we were not happy. Yeah. I mean, it, we were not. Mm. And honestly, we, I guess we really didn't, when you looked at material things, I mean, we, we struggled, mm. you know, every day. And, and I guess it was around three years after I made that commitment to start my career and do something that I felt God was calling me to do. Um, Kristen walked away from the, so- the, farm- the, the pharmaceutical industry and became a stay-at-home mom. So within a course of three years, we gave up two six-figure incomes and was raising a family on less than $50,000 a year, and nothing in our life changed, except we moved from Donaldson to Franklin. So <laughs> kind of figure that one out, right? It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was it about the Chick-fil-A culture that like, just compelled you, I mean, to walk away and to, I mean, what was that? I, I don't know so much in the beginning if I knew it was a Chick-fil-A culture as much as I was just following God's path. Okay. I think once I got involved in Chick-fil-A and, and I looked around, I went to school to be a high school history teacher. Yeah. And um, so I'd always had this passion to teach, but I never, I never really felt that the classroom was, was that direction for me. And so, but I always knew there was something that I was supposed to be doing. It, it was either coaching youth sports or something. And so I think when I got involved with Chick-fil-A and I saw the, the passion of developing people, mm. I'm like, that, that's what I want to do. Uh, I, I, I see these kids and I want to be able to help them. And if I can help them from this moment and, and, and teach them. And, um, and I think that's the biggest thing that the opportunity to be around so many kids and, and still get that feeling of being a teacher and mentoring and get paid for it at the same time. So it was kind of a win-win for, for myself and, and my family. So it was, it was really good, I've enjoyed it. I've had a lot, of, a lot of success from meeting people and kind of putting them first. Yeah. I know I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but in 2004, I, I was actually granted an interview to be an owner for a Chick-fil-A. And at the time, I was told that I was either the first or one of the first to ever be granted an interview uh, for ownership with a bankruptcy on the record. Usually, if you check that box, which is, uh, I have a problem with checking that box because it's not who I am and it shouldn't define people mm-hmm. just because you have to check that box. But um, when, I, when, I, when they called me and told me they couldn't let me be an owner, I left work that day and went and played 18 holes of golf in complete silence. I walked off the 18th green with the biggest smile on my face. And I said, if I can't be an owner, I'm gonna help as many people as I can be an owner and have a little part of me in as many Chick-fil-A as I possibly can. And from that day till now, I've been happier than I've ever been in my life. And it's not about me trying to be an owner, it's about me trying to help other people reach their goals. So that's the part I enjoy the most. 
I love that. Something switches there, mm-hmm. right? As you, you know, I think for those first several years of our career, whatever we're trying to build, and it's all about us. And, and, and then at some point, we start to realize I'm more happy when I give back. I'm more, when I pour into others, when I see them succeed. And, and there was a switch there for you. It was very freeing. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, it's like the stress and the pressure of being good enough was taken away because I didn't have to worry about me. Mm. I wanted to help someone else be, be good enough. And yeah. I, I know one of the things that I've learned is my job is to give everything away. Everything that I know, every talent, every skill, every piece of knowledge. And I think that's so freeing when you reach that point as a leader that you're just in, God wants you to give it away. Yeah. Just teach everybody else. Now, how do you do that? Because you, you've been at the two of the busiest Chick-fil-A's like in the entire country. I mean, yes, so I you, you're talking out of 2,000 Chick-fil-A's, you're like in the top 20. Yeah. And by God's grace, God's used you to yeah. help make those uh, Chick-fil-A's and uh, we frequent those Chick-fil-A's. You know? so, uh, but, but how do you do that when it's so slammed? How will you do that when it's so busy to concentrate on really investing in others? Right. Because it is, it's crazy. I mean, when you go by there. It right? is. Uh, Yogi Bear made a comment a long time ago about a restaurant in New York. He said, nobody goes there anymore. It's too busy. I completely understand that comment now because I, I have so many people that say, I can't go to your restaurant. It's just too busy. Um, I think the thing that I do the most that helps me is I'm always trying to see six months, eight months, 12 months out into the future. Um, the things that I'm putting in place now um, at $8.5 million is what we finished last year, but the things that I'm putting in place, that I put in place last year was not to get to 8.5, it was to get to $9 million this year. Yeah. The things I'm putting in place now are to get us to nine and a half the following year. So I think if I'm always ahead of that craziness, as you guys yeah. call it, and, and, and if anybody's been to the restaurant, um, they know it's busy, but if, I think it feels pretty smooth. Yeah. And so I think by having good systems and processes and practice them each and every day when the opportunity presents itself, to practice them is we maximize when, when the busy times come. And I think that's, as long as I do that, then I'm always creating an opportunity and time to pour into others. Mm. And I don't get caught in, the, in, in, in kind of the, the wash where you're always struggling from behind. It's always kind of standing out in front of the, the crazy. And I know it may sound <laughs> no, I think that's very makes... simplistic, but that's, that's we, we're, we did $29,000 on Monday and we walked away at the end of Monday going, okay, it's just another day. Yeah. And I think that's when you have really good leaders around you that be able to accomplish that. And that's, that gives me the time to pour into the guys. That's awesome. What are those principles? Because Chick-fil-A is so well run. I mean, and everybody in the country respects Truett Cathy. I mean, the decisions that he made mm-hmm. being closed on Sunday. And, but, but what are those... What are those leadership principles that are kind of indigenous to Chick-fil-A culture that you see as transferable to like any business, any of us guys, anybody else? Right. What are those transferable principles? Well, I think the number one is being brave enough to be a servant leader, mm. which I think in some corporations is a, is a paradigm shift. Yeah. Um, the whole purpose that I have a job to walk into the restaurant every day is how can I help my employees succeed? Mm. And I think that's what Truett Cathy has instilled in, 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 in guys and girls and that's been with the company for a long time um, is, is to serve my employees. And I, I don't know if you get that in every company, but I know that's the core principle of Chick-fil-A and, and everything else kind of branches off from that. Mm. But it's, um, 
is the, the greatest leader in the history of our world was Christ. Right. And first and foremost, he came to serve others. Yeah. So I think when you hold to that principle, um, and again, it's, it's not always easy, mm-hmm. but it's very rewarding. Mm. I love that because I don't think a lot of people walk into their business going, hey, how can I serve my employees today? How can I make them better today? Right. I think a lot of times it's like, okay, what do I got to get done today? Yep. You know? And that's just a different mindset. It is. Uh, the, uh, you know, I heard something that, that Truett said a long time ago. It said, see the human being, not the name tag or the uniform. Mm. And I think when you go beyond the, the surface of that Chick-fil-A uniform, you see an individual. Mm-hmm. And for me, is I do my best to try to, to know something or as much as I can about every employee in my restaurant from my high school kids. What do they want to do for their career? Mm. Uh, 99% of every employee that works for me in my restaurant will not make this their career. Mm. So we're a transient um, job for a lot of the, the people. And so I want to know what they want to do. Now, how can I teach them leadership skills, organizational skills, business skills while they're with me for that two or three year period that will help them in their uh, career that they choose? And I think when, they, when the employees know that you're caring about them on that level, not just ringing up a cash register or making a chicken sandwich, I think that builds that whole kind of teamwork mentality that Chick-fil-A is known for. Mm, I love that. I love that. All right, talk about this, Jeff, because there's a lot of talk today about you know, millennials and uh, how to manage millennials, how yes. to lead millennials. I mean, you know, there's articles all the time about that. I, you manage and lead a lot of millennials. I mean, let's just be I honest. Do. I mean, there's probably nobody in the world who leads or manages as many as you do. So give us some thoughts about that because in every one of our, you know, companies or industries or places of work, mm. there are a lot of millennials. I mean, 26 is the largest age group in America now. I mean, that age 26. So they're coming. They're already in the workforce. How do you lead and manage millennials? What have you discovered? You know, I, I, when I got invited to sit down with you and, yeah. and, I, and I saw that question that you'd sent me some I said, that was my favorite question. I saw you at the gym, and I said, that's the question I love the most. I said, but I don't look at someone as a millennial or a Gen X or Gen Y. I think that's labeling them or putting them in a box. My job as a leader is to connect with each employee, no matter how old or, or what uh, race or nationality or anything. I, I try to see the human being first. I think millennials want to be led, want to be motivated, want to be inspired, just like any other generation before us or any generation coming next. So I think just pure leadership and connecting with individuals kind of breaks down that barrier of, of labeling people or putting them in a box as a millennial. Mm-hmm. Um, I've yet to run across anybody in my restaurant that, that is a millennial or whatever that doesn't get inspired when you connect with them the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can look past that, that I don't know if it's a stigma or label or but whatever. I think if we can look past that and just see the individual like always, you're still gonna lead people. Yeah. I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier too. If your if your mindset is, you know, these are my employees, what can they do for me mm-hmm. versus how can I serve right. them? That that changes. It how, does. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and until you ask that question, um, I don't know if I ever really looked around and said, man, I got a lot of these millennials. What am I going to do with them? I don't think I've really looked at that. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's a good thing. And uh, because I, that way I don't have these preconceived notions or these, again, these labels or struggles. I just see them as people. When you hire people, what, what are those things you look for? 
What are those things you go, man, I know they're going to they're gonna make it? Um, I have, a, I have uh, do an interview in, in, in the restaurant business is very interesting because most of the high school kids that you they interview, they've been taught something in school somewhere about how to interview, but I have a favorite question, and it's really, uh, and I go, and I'll ask, say, Jeff, you're interviewing with me, and I say, Jeff, walk me through a typical weekend for you. When you wake up on Saturday morning until you go back to school on Monday, walk me through a typical weekend for you, and then I just shut up. It's a very non-threatening question. Uh, I think people like to talk and tell about themselves, and I look for things like, you know, I wake up in the morning, I do chores, you know, I finish projects I may have at school, um, and that can, uh, you know, where do you go to school, you know, what grade you're in, or they'll say that, you know, they attend church on Sunday mornings, oh, you do, where do you go to church, mm-hmm. are you involved in any groups at church, so you can find out real quick if there's a, a young man or young girl that's doing chores in the morning, finishing projects for school, they're consistent, they're dedicated, uh, if they're involved at church, are they in any leadership aspects that they involved in the church? So it's a very non-threatening question. So I look for those things. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the kid that wakes up at one o'clock on a Saturday and plays video games all day, I have one of those, so it doesn't <laughs> mean they're bad kids. Uh, but it does allow me to kind of look for even future leaders in my restaurant, some yeah. kids that have those aspects to start being good mentors for other kids. So that's, that's one of the things that's, that I've learned. That's a great question, though. You can tell the initiative yeah. and what, what they do. How do you identify, because I know your heart is like helping much of these students or young adults become owner-operators, mm-hmm. and how do you identify those? How do you identify and you go, man, this person, they're going to do great. Um, well, it's interesting you ask that question because we're doing a, a, a Bible study on Wednesday night uh-huh. of, of, of Book of John, and, and there's a part that they talk about there, the, like the... the boys, the men, and the fathers of God, yeah. and, and, I, and listening to Nick that night, I, I, it really made sense to me. I said, there are people that want to be led. They decide they want to be led, mm-hmm. and then at some point, even in our Christian faith, we have to start feeding ourselves, correct? Yeah. So I look for those leaders that, one, first and foremost, want to be led, open to be led, so constructive criticism, information, but then I watch them transition into leading themselves, research, study, classes, whatever they need to do, pour into themselves. And then from there, it gets to the point where they have to transition until they're willing to lead others. Mm -hmm. So I think when you hit each of those three stages of wanting to be led, wanting to lead yourself, wanting to lead others, I think that's that person that you can identify. And they showed the initiative to want to be that Chick-fil-A owner operator. I think the mistake that I made early on is I wanted it more than that person did. There was a Mm. particular employee that that I go back to, and and I wanted it more for them than they did. And that's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once you hit all three of those components, then it's I'm not really leading them. They're really doing it themselves. I'm just giving them opportunities. And that's the biggest thing I do is give these young leaders opportunities to lead. And then kind of just watch them thrive. Well, I mean, that's just, that's spiritual growth too, right? I mean, you see that at church when people come in and they're just learning and kind of soaking up, sitting and soaking, and, and, and then they start to take that initiative and start to get involved, and, and then you see them really start to grow, and then they move to that level where they're pouring into others and leading, and you're like, man, that's or, awesome. Or volunteering. That's, yeah. that's my story. You know, I, I, I started off wanting to have a relationship with God. I started off pouring into my relationship with God by doing a, a, a daily devotional um, Jesus Colin, yeah, Sarah yeah, Young. I, yeah. I think I did that for four, 
five consecutive years, and it was really cool because even though you'd read that same thing the previous year, it might have meant something different this year on those, on those oh, uh, scriptures. And, yeah. and then it transitioned to me wanting to give back and help lead through the church or volunteer. And, yeah. and again, it's, um, I think that natural progression is really cool to watch. Well, and I love seeing you and Kristen, you know, involved in church and Aiden. I mean, it's just awesome, you know, and it's that different level. Yeah, that was one of the coolest things last Sunday um, when I I was on that camera right there and I looked across the church and there was my 14-year-old son um, volunteering at church for the first time in his life and really enjoying it and and can't wait to come back. And so I, I think I've I, I concentrated on what I was supposed to do, but I had a, a big smile on my face the entire service. I'd watch you, and I'd watch him, I'd watch you, and I'd watch him. So it was, it was very fun for me. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great, that's being a dad when you see your kids start to get it and yeah. live it. Man, nothing better. Hey, tell me, how do you bring your Christian walk into your workplace? Because it is so busy. I mean, it mm. is, you know, well, at least to us, it looks busy. To you, it's calm. But how do you bring that Christian influence uh, into the workplace? Uh, simple. Uh, St. Francis of Sissy said, preach the word of God at all times when necessary, use words. Yeah. Um, I lead at all times and when necessary, use words. Mm. Uh, so I, I bring, I want to model everything in my faith, uh, my leadership. I want to model it, but what I do first, be, ever before what I say. Mm. So, and I teach, even my trainers and my young leaders, I tell them, I said, train at all times and when necessary, use words. We'll make a bigger, bigger impact on what we do than what we say. Because if you're not making the impact of what you do, your words just fall on deaf ears. Yeah. So I think that's for me when I walk in, and I still do it today before I walk in the back door, I'll, or if I'm sitting in my car, I'll just, I'll say a quick little prayer, you know, you know, you know, God give me the ability to, you know, see clearly, think clearly, and lead appropriately, and, and not miss an opportunity that somebody may need me today. Mm, I love that. Just going in with that mindset, yeah. I think, changes everything. Well, I think if I don't, then I walk in that back door, it is crazier, and it is more chaotic, and it is a struggle. And it's sometimes it's just, uh, there's a thing that I do, I always say, you know, I'll close my eyes and I envision like this light around the restaurant or even like my son playing basketball, I envision this just light around him. I'll say, God, just let your light, you know, shine on, you know, my son or mm. this restaurant and protect us. And I, I've, that's something I've done. And it actually came about from my fear of flying. <laughs> I would always envision this light around this plane and God's hands kind of lifted it up and, and delivering us wherever we were going. And that was mm. kind of what got me through the, the flight. So mm. I'm like, well, hey, if it works through flight, it'll work in this crazy restaurant or in life as well. So I've always done that. I love that. I love that. Because, yeah, I mean, because otherwise you walk into work and you're just like, oh. And yeah. you, and you, but otherwise you walk in and there's like this light it, in this. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It, it, and it, it's, I, if I'd had a chance to ask God to be good at something or ask him for, a, it, it would not have been the restaurant business. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people wake up and go, yes, I want to work 60 hours a week in <laughs> chaos. Uh, but I love it. It's not chaos to me. And it's really not. I mean, even if I'm there 60 hours, which I'm not a lot, there's a good work-life balance with me. And um, I love what I do. Mm. And I wish, I, I, said, I, I said something one time, at the end of, end of every man's career, they had a job that made them a better Christian, husband, father, and friend. Would we not have an amazing career? And I feel that I'm absolutely living that right now. Well, I'm proud of you for taking that. That was a bold step to walk away mm. from, you know, six figures to go work $7 an hour. Yeah. 
but to see you have I'm, I'm not making seven dollars an hour. No, I know you've done really well. But it's like when you trust God in that, He gives it back to you yeah. more, you know, and and the joy that comes mm. in the, being the part of the family. And how long have you and Kristen been married now? It'll be eighteen years so, this year. I mean, praise God. I mean, and and you were headed in the wrong direction, I was. you know. And um, man, that's just redemption. That's grace. Mm. So when you go, because you go all over and teach leadership and leadership principles, and uh, what, what are some of the things that you teach? What are some of the things that you want people to know? Well, I think the biggest thing for us as leaders is to be consistent. Mm. I think our employees deserve consistency. I think they deserve to know what they're going to get every day as a leader. We should not be up or down. We should be, you know, as consistent as we possibly can be to build faith and trust. And I think that's the biggest thing with our kids. They just, they want to trust in their leaders first. And, um, and I think that's the, the number one thing. And also to be, be brave and be bold where other people say, no, it can't work. You find a way to make it work. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's, you know, even in, in Chick-fil-A's culture, it allows us to, to lead with faith or lead with compassion first. Mm. Um, you know, when, uh, I've never sat down with my employees and said that, our net profit has to be this, or our labor has to be this. I teach them good sound principles to execute their job every day, which creates those, those numbers that look good. And I don't think anybody wants to be a statistic or a number, but I think that's the, 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 the number one thing I think as leaders, is if we can be consistent first, and then be good listeners. Mm. I love that. And what I'm hearing you say, and there's a, a few things here that I'm just taking away that are so mm. important, that, that consistency in leadership being brave, leaders mm-hmm. lead. At some mm-hmm. point, you've got to step up right. and make a decision like Nick Saban did or yeah. make a decision not only in, in your company but also at home. Um, hey, church is important or these are things we're going to do with the family. These, and, and to be that one to step into that. And then um, listening and, and being there and being open because mm-hmm. um, I think as leaders, sometimes we just are blazing a trail. Well, I think sometimes we try to make our decisions so complex and convoluted to prove our intelligence mm. that when sometimes just the simplest direction yeah. or route is the most impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't care how much you know until they know yeah. how much you care. Oh, because see, now, you're, now you're, I'm talking to my wife. Yes, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is exactly what she says that yeah. all the time. And it's been, it has been helpful. Yeah. Um, and I think they, we do have to care first. Because, yeah. I mean, when, when they know that I care about them or I'm invested in them, they do listen more, and my words are more impactful to them. Changes everything. It does, it? Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Hey, give us two takeaways for being spiritual leaders. Give us two things that you would say. Uh, two things, well, I think for me, and it goes back to what I was talking about at, at, at volunteering, um, and the joy of looking across at the church and seeing my son volunteer, uh, being a spiritual leader and, and watching my wife have tears in her eyes. Um, when, when I really felt God getting a hold of me, uh, Paula Foster was talking about needing volunteers in churches years mm-hmm. ago and talking about needing uh, teachers for Sunday school, mm-hmm. and for first grade Sunday school. And I literally felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to teach first grade Sunday school. And like most human beings, we always are quick to have what? A, a, an excuse. <laughs> and I said, well, gosh, I said, and this is in the beginning. I said, God, I'm, I'm 33, 34 years old. I've never read the Bible. How can I teach first grade Sunday school? And God goes, they're in first grade. They hadn't read it either. <laughs> so I signed up 
to volunteer, and I looked over, my wife had tears in her eyes, and she said it was the greatest thing she'd ever seen me do as a man. So I think being that spiritual leader, and, and I think that even allowed my wife to believe and have faith in me more and just brought our family so much closer together. And, and when I did it last Sunday and, and saw my son volunteer, it was again that moment where I knew that, that I was doing what God wanted me to do as a spiritual leader, to get involved, stop making excuses, even when I'm uncomfortable, even moving to California was a whole nother story that we probably don't have time for. It was a faith journey. I was almost 50 years old. I didn't want to leave Chick-fil-A and move to California. Mm -hmm. It was the last thing I wanted to do. But, um, but I now know why God sent me there. Mm -hmm. And I shared with you about yeah. my friend Frank and who's back here in Tennessee with me. And I believe the whole reason I went to California was, was to like a mission trip as much as a career or a job. Mm -hmm. So. That's, uh, that's the impacts or takeaways is, is sometimes those little things like volunteering are big things to your wife mm. or to your son. Mm, that's big. Hey, what do you want your legacy to be? I want to be known as a, as a leader that, like I said before, gave everything away. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite sermons that I've mm. heard was, um, it was to have, to hold, to hoard. And that has stuck with me that we're a society that we want to have things, we want to hold on to it, and we want to hoard it. Mm -hmm. And we want to, we, I mean, all these portable storage buildings, and we yeah. want to just hold on to it. And, and I've transitioned myself into, I want to give everything away. I love you know, that. my knowledge, my, my leadership, and, and that's what I do with my young employees. So I would really love my legacy to be is that, that I didn't take anything with me. I love that. That is so awesome. There's a guy, Bob Buford, who said, I want the last check I write to bounce. Yeah. There was this comedian. There was this comedian that, that said, oh, poor guy. He died broke. He goes, isn't that perfect timing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Exactly. Oh, that's so good. All right, Jeff, we got some questions for you. you okay. I, I, I hope so. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the, uh, the first couple are a, a little lighthearted here. So, yeah. and, and, and we've got one here on the screen. It'll come up, and I'm going to add to it a little bit. <laughs> Will Chick-fil-A be adding a spicy chicken nugget anytime soon? And, th and then my follow-up is, can you walk through the decision to change the barbecue sauce and then bring back the old barbecue sauce? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Matt Britt is asking about the spicy nugget, but I'm not sure. But um, there's a test phase that's going on with the spicy nugget. And I think with Chick-fil-A, everything is about a process. Not only um, how is it received by the, by the customer, how is it re received by the employee? Can we... Can we at our volume, our average Chick-fil-A's are $4.1 million a year. The second highest volumes uh, chain is $3.1 million. So everything that we bring in or everything we add, there's a, a repercussion of systems and processes and, and production of it. So the spicy nugget has been tested. Um, I don't have a date for you, but it has been tested. Uh, the barbecue sauce, the barbecue sauce got changed as a smokehouse barbecue sandwich was being rolled out. And the barbecue sauce was, for the dipping portion of it, the customer spoke so loud that Chick-fil-A reverted back to the original barbecue sauce because it was, they, the customers didn't want it. So really? they listened to the customers and they brought back the original barbecue sauce. Now we still brought out the sandwich and we just, we just did the, the smokehouse barbecue on the sandwich in the uh. back. So, but it worked great for the sandwich. It wasn't good for the nuggets. So. <laughs> but the good thing is you got a $9 billion company that listens to their, yeah. uh, their customers. Yeah, it's willing it to do that because yeah. that's big. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Well, it, bringing it back has been a home run in my, my house, so I, I appreciate that. Um, all right, some serious ones. How do you know and sense that God's voice, how did you know and sense that God's voice was leading you, particularly, particularly when it meant leaving a career that the world would have deemed really successful? Wow, what a question. Um, I don't know if there, I don't know if there's a blueprint for that either, other than there's this overwhelming comfort and just this feeling that you know it's exactly what you're supposed to do, um, especially when it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is a very interesting question because I know we struggle, people struggle with faith because faith is invisible. Uh, it's not something you can touch, but I think that's the moment when you're really in tune with God and you have that relationship that's strong enough when God is asking you to do something like that, there's less questions. So I think at that moment, my faith was in a really strong place and I was really tied in and committed to God and, and, mm-hmm. and his voice was stronger. So I think if you want to know is have that strong relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And when you do, I think you question it less. Yeah. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but that's, I think that's how I feel. No, I think that's, I mean, I think you're exactly right. You're able to hear from the yes. Lord because you're putting yourself in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think God's ever going to call you to do something outside of his word. So that's a great, another boundary to put in place. And I think the time with the Lord and then confirmation from others. I mean, Kristen had to be on board, you know, for you to make that. Oh, I don't know if she was quite on board. (laughs) Um, But that was a, that was a part of her faith being tested as much as mine. So yeah, Yeah. I I can't say that she was on board, uh, but I can, if you ask my wife now, the first two or three years, she was probably still on the fence a little bit, but if you asked her now, and I remember her even looking at me and she was going, I'm sorry. Mm. You know, I'm sorry that maybe I didn't support you or wasn't behind that initial. I, I had a lot of friends that made fun of me, a lot of friends that told me I was crazy. And, 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 but I think my wife now will tell you that it's probably one of the things that she's proudest of me most. Yeah. Well, and I would say, too, just to add that, you are moving into your joy zone, you mm-hmm. know. And I think um, God's always, you know, he gives us the desires of our heart. He wants us to move into that area where we flourish. Mm-hmm. And you are flourishing. I mean, you're I impacting so. <laughs> so many people where you could have just been over there making money. Now yeah. you're giving it away. And well, I, I see it in your smile. I mean, it's just awesome. Well, when I speak at some of the co- colleges, one of the things I, uh, I'll say is when I stopped measuring my manhood by the size of my W-2, I became a much better man. Mm. That, that's strong. That's strong. Oh. Let's get one more. Um, how, is, how has Chick-fil-A maintained such a strong service culture as the company has grown and expanded? Wow, that's another great question. Uh, that is a struggle. I mean, as, uh, again, when you look at our average stores at $4.1 million in our restaurant at 8 and a half to $9 million, I have 125 employees in this restaurant. Um, that is a struggle to maintain that. When, I mean, when it, like a lot of restaurants may have 25 or 30 employees on staff. We have to have 120, 130 to operate our business. And, uh, you know, staffing is one of those struggles. But I think what Chick-fil-A has recognized is that we've increased our scholarship for our kids from $1,000 to $2,500. It is not just a one-time scholarship. It can be renewed up to three times um, and maybe even a fourth time. Uh, So working at Chick-fil-A, you could earn up to $10,000 in scholarship money. So I think we recognize the fact that our, our... our job is harder, and I, I always use my friend Clay, who runs the Smoothie Kings. Our job is harder 
than the person making your smoothie. It's not that it's not a hard job, but it's, it's totally different. Kids can walk out of my restaurant and go get a job making you know, the same amount of money and work a lot less. So I think we've put things in place to make them feel important and make them feel appreciated through the scholarship programs, through even, even a free meal that they have. But I think that's, that is a struggle for us is to, is to maintain our consistent service uh, even from a reinvestment back into developing our stores and re-looking at our stores, how we make them. The, I mean, uh, the Mallory Lane store is the smallest footprint property, and I know you guys have probably experienced my drive-through, um, but those are things that we're looking at. How can we make the job easier for our employees? Mm. And that is, that's a great question because it is a struggle. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you. You, you know, I just, I love your heart. I love your passion for pouring into the next generation and raising up uh, future leaders. I, I love seeing that. I love what God's doing in your marriage. I love what God's doing in your family. I love seeing you serve. And uh, man, I just want to tell you, we're, we're proud of you. We're thankful for you. Uh, we love your chicken. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's really amazing to see um, your heartbeat for the Lord and your leadership in our community and I uh, just want to say thank you for that. I so, appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, let me pray for us awesome. right now. Oh, Father God, thanks for today. And thank you, God, just for challenging me and encouraging me, Father, through Jeff this morning. And Father, I pray for everybody who's watching this today. I pray that we would be men after your heart, um, that, God, we would have this desire to um, give it away, um, that we wouldn't measure our um, worth as a man by what we make, but, Father, by what we give in the way that we live our lives for you. And so I pray, Father, for spiritual leaders to emerge, that we would step up, that we would be brave and make tough decisions when we need to and, and be spiritual leaders in our home, and our workplaces, Father, and further your kingdom in our day and our generation. Bless Jeff, bless Chick-fil-A. Thank you, Father, for a company that's established on biblical principles, and I pray a blessing over him and over their company today. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen. Awesome, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, hey guys, be on the lookout later this afternoon for your MLN Rewind email. Uh, it'll be sent out to anybody on the distribution list. Again, links to today's interview. Uh, also, links to the website, mensleadershipnetwork.com, where you can access uh, almost 50 interviews, previous interviews, etc. cetera. Uh, so if you ever want to access those or if you want to forward this to somebody uh, today, you can do that through the website or through the email. Guys, this is the last and final MLN breakfast for the semester, uh, but we'll kick back off in April with Brett Kern, the Tennessee Titans punter. Uh, so please join us. That'll start on April 5th. Thank you and have a great day.